the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Have a holly jolly Christmas. It's the best time of the year. I don't know if there'll be snow, but have a cup of cheer. Oh, yeah. And everyone you meet. Not bad for recording this very early in the morning. What's going on, everybody? It's another Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer, the Christmas, Christmas Eve, Eve, whatever you want to call it, edition. I'm no Frank Morano. We've got a good show for you tonight. Not, not a good show. Fantastic show. You know why? we got a little news in here, but we also have a replay of an interview that I did back in September that I think you're going to enjoy if you are a fan of Stevie Ray Vaughan. That song by uh, Burl Ives, Holly Jolly Christmas, is one of my favorite Christmas songs of all time. I love Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I love Burl Ives. Obviously, Joe Piscopo doesn't if you listen to the morning show. And when we play Christmas music and I play Burl Ives, he just gets freaked out by it. But I love Burl Ives, and I love Holly Jolly Christmas. It's my favorite. Anyway, we got a great show for you tonight. Uh, uh, follow me on Twitter at Al Gattulo, Instagram at Gattulo, G-A-T-T-U-L-L-O, Facebook.com slash A-G Craft Beer Cast, email at Albert G at NYC Radio.com. Don't forget iTunes, Google Play, uh, just do a search for A-G Craft Beer Cast. You can find all the shows on those two platforms. By the way, if you do listen on iTunes, leave a review, please. If you leave a review, it helps the show, uh, whether good or bad. Uh, also, if you like the show, Share the link. I post the link on our Facebook page. I post it on our Twitter. Uh, I post it in, in a variety of different places. Would love if you shared it, if you really enjoy the show. It helps to get more listeners. It helps to get the word out there, and I really appreciate it. Now, if you can't stand the show and you don't want to do that, that's fine. I'm all good with it. This show is not everybody's cup of tea or maybe a uh, mug of beer, as they say. Uh, we're also on the Hopped Up Network. Just go over to thehoppedupnetwork.com. You can find my show along with a plethora of others. I don't know when this show will be up on Monday since I am off next week, um, but uh, it'll be up at some point uh, on Monday. Hopefully we'll get it up before uh, 9 or 10 in the morning. Uh, coming up in just a couple of minutes, a rebroadcast of my interview with authors Alan Paul and Andy Aladort, uh, who have written a book called Texas Flood on one of my favorite guitar players of all time, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Uh, they're going to join me on the program again. Obviously, I, I taped this interview back in September when the book was coming out. It is a phenomenal book. If you are a fan of Stevie Ray Vaughan, if you are a fan of blues in particular, if you are a fan of guitar players, you will enjoy this book. This interview was so good, I ended up keeping these guys over for another segment, and it was well worth it. I mean, we fleshed out a lot of different things in that book uh, on Stevie Ray Vaughan, the life, the legacy, uh, the fact that he was taken from us far too young, um, just, uh, just a, 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 an, a, an amazing talent that I don't, well, I shouldn't say that we have seen others, uh, with those flashes of brilliance in terms of, um, in terms of guitar playing. Uh, but Stevie was just, uh, you know, you know what the thing about Stevie Ray Vaughan is, and I don't want to get off on too much of a tangent because you can, you'll hear it in the interview. Um, Stevie was one of those guys who transcended blues. He was a blues guitarist, pure, plain and simple, but he got his big break with David Bowie. I was supposed to go on tour with Bowie. Um, it, he was a, a blues guy, a rock guy. Like, he could do anything that he put his mind to, and it's all he wanted to do, and I love that. And it, it takes a special person to be able to play the blues and play it well. Joe Bonamassa comes close. There are others, younger guys, um, Gary Clark Jr., Younger guys that uh, Philip Sace, there are guys that come close, but Stevie was just a one in a one of a kind uh, talent. I was fortunate enough to see him a couple of times, 
and I think you're really going to enjoy this interview, and that's the reason why I wanted to rebroadcast uh, this particular interview. Let's dive into a couple of quick news and notes here uh, before I have to take a break and we get to these uh, th- this two-part interview here. But um, the big news is congressional leaders have agreed to a one-year extension of the excise tax relief for alcohol producers and imports. Obviously, this uh, this was a bill that was uh, expected. You know, the 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 um, the taxes were reduced for brewers, and it was expected to run out by year's end if they didn't get an extension. They did get that one year extension, so hopefully by next year they'll be able to vote on it and make it and make this cup permanent. So um, this was uh, the uh, the extension of the Craft Beverage Modernization and Tax Reform Act, which was set to expire at the end of this year after being passed into law in 2017 as part of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act have been a top priority for beer industry, trade groups, uh, a number of different people. They wanted a permanent uh, fix to this law, but the one-year extension uh, was the likeliest outcome uh, after the House Ways and Means Committee announced support for an extension through 2020. It garnered bipartisan support. A lot of people uh, were involved in this, 326 co-sponsors in the House, 73 of them in the Senate. So a a large majority of people were in favor of this bill. Now, the extender keeps in place through... Uh, December 31st, 2020, an excise tax rate of $3.50 per barrel. That's a reduction from $7 per barrel before the law was changed in 2017. On the first 60,000 barrels for domestic brewers, producing fewer than 2 million barrels annually. That's a big deal because there are a lot of small brewers out there that don't brew a tremendous amount of beer. So if you're only taxing them at three fifty instead of $7, you're cutting it in half. That's huge for a small brewer. The legislation also sets the federal excise tax to $16 a barrel on the first 6 million barrels for all other brewers and beer imports, and it maintains the $18 per barrel excise tax for brewers producing more than 6 million barrels. So this is huge. Um, there are a, a few things that need to be taken care of in this bill, uh, but it uh, it looks like it's going to pass. Um, the um, The House, of course, was slated to vote on the impeachment of President Trump on Wednesday. I'm recording this on Wednesday morning, so not sure if they're going to get to it uh, on Wednesday or Thursday. It is expected to pass by Friday unless there is some cataclysmic event that doesn't uh, make it happen. Now, the House of Representatives passed it. It went to the Senate, so we'll see what happens here. And I think it's going to pass by, by by Friday. This should not be a problem, and this is huge uh, for small brewers to get this relief again for at least another year, and then hopefully they can make this permanent into law uh, where this will not be uh, this will not be a big deal again um, for people so uh, or for brewers actually brewing which is uh, which is a good thing so that that's that's the good news here uh, the other thing is um, real quick obviously the holidays are right around the corner uh, Christmas is just a couple of days away and so uh, uh, the beer store in Canada came up with this little uh, chart and I posted it on the craft beer cast page and uh, to date now almost nine thousand people have seen it, which is great. So if you're not on Facebook, check it out. Um, It pairs up cookies and beers. So if you get holiday cookies and you're looking to pair it up with a beer instead of having coffee or tea or cocoa, um, for IPAs, macaroons are a great pairing. Coconut with the IPA, interesting. Uh, For stouts, haystacks. Now, I don't know what a haystack is. I think a few people didn't know what a haystack is. Uh, I think that's one of those uh, Midwest kind of things. If anybody could enlighten me on that, because I don't feel like doing the research, I'd appreciate it. Uh, and also, um, fruit beers would go with a jammy sandwich cookies, so kind of Linzer tarts. Think of those uh, types of cookies to go with fruit beers. There are others. Check it out on our Facebook page. Uh, maybe if we get a chance, we'll tweet it out as well. Um, and uh, maybe we'll post it up on uh, on Instagram as well, and you can check it out uh, over there. Um, one other story I wanted to get to real quick, if, um, if I can get to it here, uh, let's see, I'm looking, I'm looking and it doesn't look like it's here. So it's going to have to be for next week's program, uh, on the release of certain beers. But when we come back after a short break, um, I want to dive right into this interview with, uh, Alan Paul and Andy Alador, two authors who wrote a book called Texas Flood on one of my favorite favorite guitar players of all time, Stevie Ray Vaughan. You will absolutely love it. I encourage you to go out and get the book. You can get it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever books are sold. Take a listen to this two-part interview, and then we'll come back with the final suds and duds. Final segment of the show will be the final suds and duds of 2019 uh, of new beers that I've had. And next week's program will have the 10 best beers that I tried uh, in 2019. This is the Al Craft Beer Cast. 
on AM 970, The Answer. Hugh Hewitt knows where his vote is going in 2020. There's not going to be an election year recession. Democrats are so sad that people are going to keep their jobs and get wage increases. Because if you vote for a Democrat next year, you're just crazy. You're voting against your economic interest. That's the election in a nutshell. Trump might drive you crazy. You might love him. It doesn't matter. I like this economy. The Hugh Hewitt Show. Weekday mornings at 3, right before Joe Piscopo at 6 on AM 970. The Answer. Hey, it's Joe Piscopo. This year, as we count down the number of giving days till Christmas, you're invited to support Love's Army by donating to the Salvation Army at team970.org. It's a great way to fight for good this season because the Salvation Army serves over 23 million people in the U.S. every year. Through the generosity of people like you, they provide vital services, including shelter, meals, and holiday assistance. And best of all, the money you give stays within your local community to help your neighbors most in need. In fact, here's how your gifts go to work. $100 helps feed a family of four for three days. $150 helps provide meals to 60 children in need. $250 covers two nights of shelter for a family of four. Whether you give a little or a lot, every dollar does a world of good in your community. So please join the fight for good and go to team970.org and donate today. Love has an army. Together with the Salvation Army, we can continue doing the most good. Hi, Kevin McCullough. Have you ever had a legal question pertaining to elder law or estate law? Well, every Thursday during Kevin McCullough Radio, you hear from Mike Connors of Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law answering a listener's actual question. Simply email that question to askmikeconnors at gmail.com or call Mike's office at 718-238-6500. Don't forget to tune in to Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors Saturday mornings at 8 a.m. on AM 570 The Mission and Sunday mornings on AM 970 The Answer at 11. Want more? AM 970 The Answer? Go to am970theanswer.com to listen live. Tune in to podcasts from the shows you missed anytime you want. Learn more about our advertisers. Join the AM 970 Fan Club and sign up for events. am970theanswer.com Need to grow your business? Want to get ahead of your competition? Call Salem Surround for full-service digital marketing. Salem Surround. Digital solutions. Real results. Call Greg Cooper at 212-857-9635. 212-857-9635. Hi, this is Larry Elder. And over the last few months, my fellow talk show host and I have been speaking across the country at the War for America's Soul tour. Thousands of people have attended these sold-out events. We've discussed attacks against our Constitution, radical socialism, open borders, and other matters affecting our country. You need to hear the truth about what's at stake ahead of our next presidential election. You can now watch the events on demand or even buy the DVD. Go to WatchSalemMedia.com. That's WatchSalemMedia.com. Jay Secular live on top of the world. Weeknights at 6 on AM 970, The Answer. Welcome back to the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Now, for those of you who have been listening to the show for the three-plus years that we've been on, you know that I'm a Stevie Ray Vaughan fan. Always have been. Uh, first discovered him in the uh, mid-'80s. Uh, my best friend had turned me on to him, one of his records, and said, you got to listen to this guy. We love heavy metal and rock and roll and all this other stuff. you got to listen to this guy. This guy is blues. He's rock. He's, all, he's just he's the guy. And so got hooked on Stevie Ray Vaughan. Uh, got a chance to see him a number of times in concert. The first time I saw Stevie Ray Vaughan was with Jeff Beck, the Fire and the Fury tour at Madison Square Garden back in November of 1989. I was absolutely blown away. Had 13th row on the floor. Stevie at one point did a thing, and I'm sure that my next two guests would know, I'm very familiar with this. Uh, Stevie had just finished up his addiction. He was dealing with all of these demons, and he had gotten past that. And in the middle of the show, or towards the end of the show, he sits on the stage and he starts strumming his guitar and he's talking about life and he's talking about how you push people away that love you and care about you. He never really mentions drugs and alcohol, but everybody kind of knew. And then he yells, uh, kind of says an expletive and stands up and says, now let's get nuts. And he just drops into this three, four minute solo, blew the garden doors off. 
Uh, him and Jeff Beck jam uh, a little bit later during the show on an encore. What a phenomenal show. I was hooked from that moment on. And this past week, just a couple of days ago, was the, the 29th anniversary I believe, of Stevie Ray's death. It's just unbelievable that we lost a talent uh, that young. Now, my next guests, they are the authors of a new book that has been out for a few weeks now. It's already on the New York Times bestseller list. They wrote a book called Texas Flood, the inside story of Stevie Ray Vaughan. You can purchase the book at Amazon and Barnes & Noble, etc., or check out their Facebook page at Texas Flood Book. Let me welcome onto the Craft Beer Cast authors Alan Paul and Andy Allador. Gentlemen, how are you? Great to talk to you, Al. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, great. Thank you. And, and, you know, we still both get excited when we hear Stevie's music, like you were playing at the intro. And and uh, when you talk about I'm it, trying, yeah. you hear people talk about that. Our, our hearts still beat fast. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, he uh, never he, gets old. And no, it doesn't. And he was just an amazing guitar player. And uh, my, my, a buddy of mine got to see him at one of his New Year's Eve shows. I unfortunately, I didn't go to that one. I think it was 89, late 89 or something in New York. I didn't go because I thought I was going to score with a girl and like an idiot. I stayed and didn't score with the girl. And my friend goes and sees Stevie at like one o'clock in the morning uh, playing in New York City. So shame on me. But the last time I got a chance to see him just about a month before he passed was with uh, Joe Cocker out on Jones Beach uh, when Joe Cocker opened for Stevie Ray and in just an amazing concert. Now, obviously, we're all huge fans of Stevie Ray Vaughan. Why did you guys decide to write this book now instead of, say, 10 years ago or 15 years ago? Alan, would you like to well, go first? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, first of all, the world had to turn around a few times before the people closest to Stevie were ready to really participate. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's probably ultimately the biggest reason. It's not really about us. Um, the thing that's really different about Texas Flood from any other book or, or documentary or other project that's come before about Stevie is that it has the full participation of his brother, Jimmy, who's both the executor of his estate and was his first guitar hero and really the first person closest to him and the members of Double Trouble, Chris Layton, Tommy Shannon, and Reese Winans. And, and I think they all needed this much time until they were ready to really go there. Right. And, and, and obviously, obviously, still to this day, I mean, obviously we're, we're at the, the anniversary of his death, 29 years. Next year is going to be 30 uh, that he's gone and obviously gone in such a short period of time. Uh, what is amazing to me is Stevie Ray was such a huge influence to a number of different guitar players in in the course of writing this book, how many guitar players did you speak to that that were just enamored of this guy, just were blown away by his talent? Well, you know, uh, Alan described something very interesting in his uh, author's note in the book where he said, you know, he was living in Michigan and he was steeped in going to the blues clubs and you know, for anybody that knows Ann Arbor and all that knows uh, the history of the Ann Arbor Blues Festival. And I know, Alan, I should let you answer that question. But Alan uh, discovered as a writer when he would talk to B.B. King and Albert Collins and Buddy Guy that they were all excited about Stevie Ray Vaughan, which made perked Alan's ears up and said, I better really start listening to this guy. And in my experience, um, as soon as Stevie came on the scene in 1983. Um, I mean, every guitar player that I knew personally and uh, famous guitar players, I mean, he started having an influence on the entire world of music uh, as soon as people heard him and discovered him and Texas Flood came out. You know, it's because he's influenced so many people now over the three decades, um, one uh, thing is probably forgotten, but... You know, Bon Jovi, you know, when they did Wanted Dead or Alive, which was like, uh, you know, in the mid 80s, mm-hmm. when Stevie came out, Richie Zambora was, uh, you know, dressing like Stevie Ray Vaughan. <laughs> he was, I mean, he loved Stevie tremendously. He was one of the first, at the time, high profile guys where you could just look at him and see the influence of Stevie Ray Vaughan. So, uh, but, you know, like I interviewed everyone from, uh, B.B. King and Buddy Guy and um, Los Lobos. And, I mean, you know, Stevie just knocked the world off its axis as soon as people heard him. We're talking with Alan Paul and Andy Allador, the authors of the book Texas Flood. It's the inside story of Stevie Ray Vaughan. Uh, AlanPaul.net, AndyAllador.net, A-L-E-D-O-R-T, the spelling of dot the last com, name, dot com. Uh, I'm sorry? 
Dot com for me. Uh, dot com. Uh, are the authors, uh, the, if uh, you want to check out their websites uh, for more info on both of them, we're here on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer, guys, I'll ask uh, either one of you can, can answer this. Did, um, did Stevie give more of an impact in terms of blues? Uh, in other words, when he came onto the scene did, in the 80s, did we see more people picking up the guitar or getting influenced more by the blues? Obviously, the Muddy Waters and the T-Bone Walkers and all these uh, other guys that come before them, the B.B. Kings. But did Stevie kind of give new life to the blues in the 80s? Well, I'll say he absolutely did because, you know, Texas Flood came out in 1983, and he had been turned down by Bruce Iglauer at Alligator Records, which was the premier blues label at the time. Mm -hmm. And one year later, Bruce Iglauer signed... uh, his first white artist to his label, Johnny Winter, who, of course, was well-known as right. one of the greatest Texas blues guitar players ever. And then a year later, he signed Lonnie Mack and brought Stevie in to co-produce. So almost immediately within the blues community, Stevie's impact was uh, apparent. Alan, your thoughts? Yes, uh, I agree with everything Andy said. And also, just to, to emphasize also, he also shined a light back on B.B. King, Albert King, buddy guy who did not have a record deal for a long time and was was everybody's all, all these all these other guys favorite guitarists but couldn't get any traction and then um buddy guy made his big comeback unfortunately shortly after stevie passed away with them right i've got the blues but stevie advocated <laughs> excuse me in every interview he did he would talk about buddy guy not having a record deal but I mean, he said yeah, it he would just say he, he'd ask him a question and the answer the the answer didn't have anything to do with the question. He'd go, I don't understand why Buddy Guy doesn't have a record deal. <laughs> See, that's I mean that's great. Uh, obviously, he w- wanting to give back to the to the artists that he grew up listening to and wanting to to help them and promote them. And that's that's part of this another part of the central theme of the book that you guys have written. Stevie was so generous in wanting to give back to everybody. The band members, everybody in the band was was an equal share in the band. There wasn't yeah. one guy over the other, which you see in a lot of bands these days. That was just Stevie's personality, right? It was his oh, personality. And it, yeah, it was his personality, and it was also a reflection of Stevie's acknowledgement that, you know, there were years when Stevie was a total mess. I mean, he couldn't get it together. He, was a, he had drug problems. He wasn't the most organized. He was like a mad scientist, great artist obsessed with his guitar playing and his art and the guys in the band really carried him chris layton you know got him to the gigs and made sure things were booked and got a van and stevie that was his way also of acknowledging that he understood that he wasn't just a drummer tommy shannon wasn't just a bass player he joined the band and things took off and while his management and other people were sort of saying, dude, you're the star, you're the, you're Stevie Ray Vaughan, you're the guitar player, you're the one they're coming to see, you could get any rhythm section, pay him whatever you want, uh, he wouldn't hear of that. Um, and I think it was both because that was his personality and he it, and it was an understanding of how important those guys were to him musically and personally. Another thing I just want to throw in, you know, because mm-hmm. Stevie's, it's a reflection of Stevie's dedication to the community that he came out of. The very first big Sony Records convention that he was invited to play in 1984 uh, in Hawaii, uh, he brought with him Angela Straley, uh, Austin blues singer, and uh, Derek O'Brien, an Austin guitar player, strictly so that he could get them exposure in front of all the Sony music executives and Angela talks about that in the book, how that was a very generous thing for Stevie to do. Many people would just say, Oh, this is my moment and it's going to be about me. But Stevie wasn't like that. That, you know, that, that's, that just speaks volumes of the man. Now guys, we got to take a quick break. I want to just, if I can hold you guys over for another few minutes, uh, I want to get into some more questions about this book. That okay with you guys? Absolutely. Excellent, excellent. So we're going to take a short break, and when we come back here on the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer, we'll talk with authors Alan Paul and Andy Allidord, uh of their book, Texas Flood, The Inside Story of Stevie Ray Vaughan. Coming up next on the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. News, opinion, passion. This is AM 970, The Answer. 
It is mostly clear. 41 degrees. What's going on? We have the answer. A New York City parking attendant is dead after being crushed on the job. Steve Greenfield reports. The East Harlem, East 110th Street location has lifts that stack up to four cars on top of one another. According to the building's department, one of those lifts failed and fell on the worker. Inspectors determined that two other lifts at the lot are also unsafe. So far, the victim's name has not been released to the public. Steve Greenfield, NBC News Radio, New York. A 55-year-old convicted cop killer is going back to prison for violating parole. Officials say Betsy Ramos recently completed a 20-year sentence for her role in the murder of an NYPD officer, but was sentenced on Friday to two more years in prison 10 days after her initial release. Prosecutors say Officer Anthony Mosamillo was killed back in 1998 while trying to arrest Ramos's boyfriend, Jose Serrano. Officials say Ramos attacked Mosamillo's partner and helped Serrano hide. In sports, the Jets down Pittsburgh 16-10. to The Giants needed overtime to beat Washington 41-35. And the Rangers down Anaheim 5-1 to local NBA teams with the night off. Time to check the traffic now on the George Washington Bridge. We find minor delays in both directions. No problem for the Holland or the Lincoln Tunnels. Construction closing the Battery Park underpass in both directions between the FDR Drive and the West Side Highway. Elsewhere around the five boroughs, because of falling ice, a closure of 59th Street both ways between 5th and 7th Avenues, and also 6th Avenue with a closure northbound between 57th and 59th Streets. You now know how not to go. The weather forecast for tonight going to see mostly clear skies, a low between 30 and 35 degrees. For Monday, mostly sunny, high of 50, Monday night clear and mild, low 35 to 40. Christmas Eve, mostly sunny skies, high between 45 and 50 degrees. And the forecast for Wednesday, Christmas Day, mostly sunny skies with a high of 45 degrees. I'm Dave Banning on AM 970, The Answer. Hi, this is Cliff Cole from Jersey Central Power and Light. And this is Paul Rotella, president of the New Jersey Broadcasters Association. At JCPNL, our top priority is delivering safe and reliable electric service. As part of that, we make sure our company is prepared to respond to emergency situations year-round. And in emergencies, everyone should have a plan. Cliff, did you know that organizations and families with an emergency action plan fare much better in times of emergency than those that do not? That's right. It doesn't take much time or effort to plan ahead, so you can respond to an emergency and help keep your and those you care for safe and sound. You can get great ideas and planning suggestions at websites like ready.gov. Sounds good, Cliff. And always remember, keep your radio close by to get the critical news and information you'll need in an emergency. From severe weather warnings to life-saving amber alerts, radio is always there. That's why we are proud to partner with the NJBA about the importance of being prepared. So be prepared, New Jersey. Go to ready.gov and stay safe. This message sponsored by the New Jersey Broadcasters Association with funding provided by Jersey Central Power and Light and this station. Joe Piscopo wakes you up at 6 a.m. Kevin McCullough takes you home at 5 p.m. Weekdays on AM 970. The answer. The title track of Texas Flood from Stevie Ray Vaughan, their first album back in 1983. We're here on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. The great thing about this album is essentially it was recorded in in one kind of session in Jackson Brown's studio that Jackson Brown uh, allowed the band to, you know, drive out the Cal- or not allow the band, but gave the band uh, to come out to California and said, look, you can use my studio if you want to record an album. Uh, and, and a whole story as to how they met, which goes into um, uh, meeting and playing with David Bowie, et cetera, et cetera. We're talking with Alan Paul and Andy Al- uh, Aladort, the authors of the new book, SRV, Texas Flood, The Inside Story of Stevie Ray Vaughan. And the guys join me again in this segment here. Guys, so this this whole story about Jackson Bra- meeting Jackson Brown and um, this happened at the Montrose uh, the Montreux, uh, Festival, the music festival. Is that right? That's right. I'm going to let Alan answer that. Um, go ahead, Alan. I'll be back in one second. <laughs> yeah, so they got invited to the Montreux Jazz Festival completely out of the blue because Jerry Wexler, the great producer was from New York, was in Austin for something else, saw the band, was so blown away, he called up the <laughs> director of the Montreux Jazz Fest and said, just book this band. I don't have a video. I don't have a tape. I got nothing. Just trust me, do it. Right. So they did, and they went over there. The show itself was a little bit of a bummer. Didn't, not, you know, they were sort of booed. The reception was very muted. Mm. 
uh, and they walked off stage feeling really bummed. But what happened was uh, David Bowie was in the audience. He came back afterwards and met them and said, you know, you guys are incredible, and I'd like you to play on my next album, Stevie, which, of course, they were excited about, but no one took too seriously, and that ended up being Let's Dance. Of course, he, he did follow up on it. The next night, they played in a musician's bar, and Jackson Brown and his whole band kind of stumbled into it and were blown away, jammed with them until 7 in the morning. And Jackson said, hey, I got a, a studio in uh, L.A. You can come use it for free anytime you want. So they did, and they went recording what they thought was a demo to try to get a deal. And uh, John Hammond, the great talent scout who had signed Bob Dylan, Bruce Springsteen, Billy Holiday, <laughs> Charlie, Charlie Kirsten. Yeah, he signed, uh, he, he signed it, uh, you know, heard the genius there. And not only did he sign them, but he said, this isn't a demo, this is the album. And so uh, that, those, those couple of days in Montreux, which started out feeling like they were a disaster, turned out, in fact, to be you know the start of their career. Yeah, and that's, and that's pretty cool. And then, of course, Stevie going on to play on the David Bowie album, Let's Dance, which really uh, propelled David Bowie to, to new heights. And, of course, there was some friction there as you know, uh, Double Trouble and, and Stevie Ray were going to go on tour with David Bowie and open for them. And there was some uh, communication problems and some issues, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, for folks, pick up the book, definitely read the stories behind it. Uh, it's an interesting story. But, Andy, when you interviewed uh, Stevie Ray, uh, you brought a guitar with you. Now, was that to break the ice? No. Um, I started writing for guitar magazines in 1984. And, you know, um, I became a writer sort of by default because I've always been a guitar player mm. and, one of the things that the magazine I was working for at the time did that was a new thing was we did full transcriptions of songs, rock songs, you know, Stairway to Heaven or Purple Haze, whatever it might be. And I had been writing music out like that for my students and guitar solos uh, for myself for years. So I started doing that for magazines, and they asked me to go do interviews with guitar players. But a part of the interview was I'd do a traditional interview, but then I would ask the guitar player, oh, show me how to play this song or what are those licks? And I would write all that out in music and that would be included in the interview and that's what made those interviews different. And we found out guitar players love that and it helped to make the magazine very successful. So every interview I went to, uh, Steve Morris or Buddy Guy, B.B. King, Eddie Van Halen, I would have my guitar and an amp and plug them in um, Rush, you know, and whoever it was. Mm -hmm. So it was not unusual with Stevie. What was unusual was he came in, it was December 2nd, 86, Mid-Hudson Civic Center in Poughkeepsie. I say hello to him. I'm meeting him for the first time. He's got number one, his main beat-up guitar. I plug him, him into the amp. I plug my guitar into the amp. We spontaneously just started to jam for 10 minutes without saying anything, and then we stopped and took my guitar off, and Stevie said, what are you doing? And I said, well, I have to interview you now. And he said, oh, I thought we were just going to have fun. <laughs> oh, that must have... But and, and I have to intervene. This is Alan. You know, yeah. aside from that being just such a cool story, uh, it's so cool, right, that Andy jammed with uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan for 10 minutes at the start of their relationship. Before we even talked um, about it. Anything. Right, right. But, I mean, that. But that. but that's a moment that... Uh, obviously, it sticks in your mind for the rest of your life, but you got to be sitting there going, "Oh my God! Like I'm jamming with this guy. He's just, he's unbelievable, right? Were you was it was it kind of a, a was it almost like a fanboy moment where you can't believe that you're you're just playing with this guy? Well, don't forget. I mean, like I said, this is this had already happened with BB King and Buddy right. Guy, and like right. you know all kinds of people. So you know, I was a little bit immune to you know like the fanboy part of it. You right. know, I mean, I loved all these guys: Ry Cooter, Los Lobos. Um, in the case of Stevie, you know, he was only about a year older than me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had been playing uh, Jimi Hendrix's music in bars since 1974. And so I felt a kinship to him. And we were also very close in age. So um, I was very happy to meet him and play with him. And I had uh, endless respect for him. Um, but, but, you know, we were on the same wavelength as guitar players. Right. And in fact, my guitar is a 1961 Strat that I bought in 73, and his guitar was a 1962 Strat that he bought in 1974. And in every subsequent interview, he would play my guitar the whole time. And the 
last thing he ever said to me after I interviewed him and Jimmy together for Family Style, he played my guitar the entire interview, and then he stood up and handed me my guitar and said, I still love your guitar. Oh, that's, see, that, that's, that's pretty awesome. We're talking with Alan Paul and Andy Alador, the authors of the book Texas Flood. It's the inside story of Stevie Ray Vaughan. Just hit their Facebook page, Texas Flood Book, for more information or go to Amazon, Barnes & Noble. You can get the book there. We're here on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Alan, one of the great things about this book is that both you and Andy, rather than write this as a straight biography, you told it in a perspective that people could easily follow. Was that something that you wanted to do, or uh, did it organically come together that way? We started out with the idea of doing that, and, and that's because before we even began the new interviews for this book, of which we did, I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, um, we had between us already, I mean, I, I, I can't even estimate, but probably over a 1,000 hours of interviews um, both of us have been working on this for many decades. I had extensive interviews with Jimmy Vaughn. Uh, Andy also had them. We both had a lot of interviews with Chris uh, Layton and Tommy Shannon. Andy had countless hours of, the, of those. And, of course, we had Andy's great interviews with Stevie just as a starting point. And then we ended up interviewing over 100 people. So we had such access to such great material. It didn't seem like the right way to do it was to paraphrase it or put ourselves into it uh, as much and and all of these guys speak so eloquently and with so much passion and dedication that we really wanted to focus to be on them um and you know it seems on the surface like it might be a quicker and easier way to do a book but in fact it's, it's, it's way it's harder like an, <laughs> it's an incredible uh it's like, it's like you have to be a puzzle master because you have to put this all together um but but you know just really felt like the way to do it because we had the interviews with the guys and we wanted their voices to speak loud and clear yeah and another I, thing that's really important now mm-hmm. sorry to interrupt is that you know there's really only one book one biography of stevie that uh, is out there it came out in 1992 mm-hmm. and um none of the band members or jimmy uh, and most of the people around stevie they um chose to not participate in the writing of that book and what this demonstrates clearly, and we never could have written the book we would we wanted to write without it. What this demonstrates clearly is that all of those people uh, contributed to this book and to telling finally telling Stevie's story the way it deserved to be told. So there it is, right in front of you, you know, clear as day. Yeah, and I have to tell you, reading it over the weekend, uh, I mean, just the story just flows one into the other. The, each per, and you can kind of keep track of everything that's going on. And what's happening, you know, in various points of Stevie's career. Now, last question from me, guys. Uh, Andy, you could start first and then Alan uh, second. The best memory from each of you, the moment you heard Stevie Ray Vaughan for the very first time. Wherever you were at, you dropped the needle on the record, you heard those those first couple of notes. Andy, I'll, I'll start with you. What was What was going through your mind when you heard it? Well, I wrote it a little bit about it in my author's note. Um, it was in the spring of 83. I was at my mom's house uh, just helping her with some stuff, and there was a radio on in the background. I wasn't paying attention. And Let's Dance came on, this new David Bowie single. And, you know, I mean, I'm a David Bowie fan. I could hear it was David Bowie, but I wasn't really paying attention. And then this guitar solo came, and I just stopped in my tracks, and I said, what is going on? Because it sounded just like Albert King. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I thought, Albert King is playing with David Bowie. Like, this is the coolest thing, the most unexpected. I mean, it was just genius to put this pure blues guitar intensity in the middle of what was like a disco new wave kind of a track. And I was going back and forth in my mind. Oh, that's not Albert. Oh, it is Albert. Oh, it's not Albert. And, of course, found out very shortly thereafter it was a guitar player named Steve Ray Vaughan. So, um, I couldn't believe it. It's just his guitar playing is phenomenal on that track. And that was this moment where I said, well, I have to, you know, find out more about this guy. And very shortly thereafter, the first album came out. And then I went to see him uh, at my father's place on Long Island. So uh, that's a moment I'll never forget. Nice. Alan, uh, your memory? Yeah, you know, I'm going to focus and talking about the first time I heard Stevie with the okay. first time I saw him live with Jimmy. Okay. I had just, I was a little slow coming around to uh, Stevie, unfortunately, but at the 1990 Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival, by then I was fully on board with Stevie and I was really excited to see him and I pushed my way up to the front of the stage uh, and Jimmy came out and, and, and I didn't fully understand how cool of a thing that was the way I do now, <laughs> but uh, 
I knew that it was his brother, and he was the guy from the Fabulous Thunderbirds. And the two of them played, and it was just incredible. And, uh, you know, they were mostly – he's playing a lot of the material from Instep, um, you know, which is still probably my favorite album by him, I think. And, and you know, that, that was the experience that sticks with me forever, standing there, uh, sweat-drenched, end of a long weekend at the New Orleans, just being completely uh, inundated with music from Stevie, and then the bonus of seeing Jimmy. Um that was a very, very, very memorable. Great, great memories from both of you. My, the, the book is fantastic. My guests have been Alan Paul and Andy Alador, authors of the book, Texas Flood. It's the inside story of Stevie Ray Vaughan. You can check them out. Their Facebook page is Texas Flood Book. Uh, follow them all over social media, but go buy the book. Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble. It's on the New York Times bestseller list. It is a great book for the end of the summer to kind of have your reading to get into fall. And then th- flip some Stevie Ray on while you're, while you're reading it. It's definitely worth it to, to reappreciate uh, a blues talent that has gone far too soon. Alan, Andy, thanks so much for joining me tonight. Very much appreciate it. Al, thanks so much. We appreciate it, too. Thank you. Real pleasure. When we come back, the final suds and duds, a new one of 2019. This is the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Every Saturday morning at 7, the Auto Lab, the longest-running auto show in New York City, can be heard for a full two hours. Host Professor Harold Walchok and a diverse panel of automotive experts will answer all your basic automotive questions and fill you in on the history and culture of the auto industry. The Auto Lab is on the air and here to help for a full two hours. Listen every Saturday morning starting at 7, right here on AM 970, The Answer. Hi, Kevin McCullough. This Christmas, the Salvation Army invites you to join the fight for good. It's a fight to support 13 million children who live in poverty across the U.S. A fight to bring Christmas to the thousands who lost everything in this year's fires. And a fight to help the hardworking families across our communities who struggle to put food on the table, make rent, and keep the electricity on every single day. In fact, the Salvation Army serves over 23 million people in the U.S. every year with vital services, including shelter, meals, and holiday assistance. So today, I'm pleading with you. Go to Team970.org. Please help us reach our goal of $24,000 by year's end. At Team970.org, whether you give a little or a lot, every dollar does a world of good in our community. Consider a gift of $25, $50, or even $100. Love has an army. Together with the Salvation Army, we can continue doing the most good. We all know the secret to the best Italian food is the sauce. And no one has sauce as good as Michael's of Brooklyn. Their sauce is made from scratch, using only the best ingredients. But don't take our word for it. Stop at any of your local supermarkets and pick up a jar or listen to the Joe Piscopo Morning Show every Wednesday for a chance to win a whole case of Michael's delicious, authentic, and fresh sauce. You can also enter online at am970theanswer.com. That's am970theanswer.com. Good luck. Did you miss what happened on the Joe Piscopo Show live stream? Catch up on our YouTube channel. YouTube.com slash AM 970 The Answer. I love this. I absolutely love this. Welcome back to the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, the answer to the Christmas, Christmas, Christmas Eve edition. Follow me very easily on Twitter at Algatulo, Instagram at Gatulo, G A T U L O, Facebook.com slash AG Craft Beer Cast. Email at albertg at nycradio.com. Don't forget iTunes, Google Play. Do a search for AG Craft Beer Cast. You'll find all the shows on those two platforms. Lexa ready as well. We're also on the Hopped Up Network. Just go over to thehoppedupnetwork.com. You will find the Craft Beer Cast and a plethora of other shows right on there. This is Ronnie James Dio singing God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen on a Christmas album. Oh. This is fantastic. I love it. I, listen, I miss this guy. I only got a chance to see Ronnie James Dio once in concert, and um, 
That was uh, in 1985. My God, the last time Except played together as a band with Udo Dirksneider at Madison Square Garden. And let me tell you something. Ronnie's voice was amazing. The guy was a doo-wop singer in the 50s and then became a metal uh, a metal guy in the in the 60s and 70s. Rainbow, of course. Elf, his own solo group. And, of course, with uh, Black Sabbath, the, uh, the second incarnation of Black Sabbath, as it were, when Ozzy left the band. And actually gave them more life as a band, Black Sabbath, and then, of course, they reunited with Ozzy years later. But I digress. That is a fantastic Christmas song. Uh, just, just wonderful, good stuff from Ronnie James Dio. He is absolutely missed. Let's dive right into the final uh, new beers of the Suds and Duds of uh, 2019. Next week's show, uh, another taped uh, edition, a best of that will have uh, the 10 best beers that I had over the course of 2019. But let's dive right into it. I've talked about these guys millions of times here, or it's seemingly like in the last couple of months. Source Brewing is doing a fantastic job down in Colts Neck, right next to Delicious Orchards. you got to go down there. But Paragon Tap and Table now has Source on tap. They're also in the Prudential Center at Devil's Games, which is great, although you may have to do some searching for them because they really don't tell you where all the great craft beers are. But Source of Cheers is on at Paragon Tap and Table, one of the best Hellas lagers that I've ever had. It is crisp, it is delicious, it is fantastic. Brooklyn Brewery put out their Black Ops 2019 this year. You know, we did the interview uh, with the master distiller from Four Roses Bourbon uh, about a month or so ago, and uh, a great job uh, out of this with this different uh, the, the different blends that go into the beer and then adding the bourbon on top of it. It is fantastic. Choc- uh, chocolate, coffee, and bourbon, just a really fantastic beer. Our good friend of the show, Buddy Watson, he brought me some beers. One of them happened to be from Common Roots, which I love. Ultra Modern American. It is a nice and light, decent bite, juicy, tasty beer uh, from these guys at Common Roots. It's an a- and it's an APA, not an IPA. Uh, double dry hopped, excellent beer. Definitely pick it up. Uh, here's a beer that you only see in 12 packs now because Samuel Adams only puts them out in their holiday packs. The Winter Lager Festive Bach by. Um, Samuel Adams. Uh, it was I drank it for National Lager Day. It's a it's a great winter lager. Really uh, kind of warms the heart. Bready, uh, a little bit of caramel uh, in this particular beer, and those spices that are in there that kind of remind you of winter time and cookies being baked in the kitchen. Uh, that kind of theme. Uh, picked up Fierce Brosnan by Icarus. Uh, which is their take on Pierce Brosnan, who played James Bond. Um, it, it, this is a really, and this was actually a collaboration with them and, and Last Wave, if I'm not mistaken, uh, down in Jersey. And uh, this is a really good beer. Lots of pineapple, slight hint of lime, very tropical and sour, very reminiscent of a rum type of cocktail that you would get on a tropical island. Once again, Icarus hitting the mark with this one. Fantastic. Now, Paragon Tap and Table, as we do our final suds and duds for 2019, new beers that I've had. They did an Evil Twin tap takeover uh, about a week and a half ago that ended up uh, becoming a kind of uh, little Christmas party for myself and a couple of friends of ours. We just kind of an impromptu get-together. It was Ugly Sweater Night at Paragon, so we decided to get together. Most of us wore our ugly sweaters. But anyway, um, started off with a flight of their IPAs. So the first that I had was the Sharing is a Wonderful Thing, especially to those you've shared with by Evil Twin. I love the names on these beers because they're just unique uh, to New York City. Let's put it that way. This was juicy, a little short bitterness to it, uh, slightly dry on the back end, really nice. Moved on to a what if we named this beer Doug from Cycle. This was a collab brew. Um, this was creamy, juicy, excellent beer. Uh, the third beer in the IPA set was I Have Nowhere to Be, but I'm still in a rush to get there. Speaking of the New York City traffic, juicy, dank, really good. Another excellent IPA from these guys. Uh, all of them had like a milkshake quality, although there was, I don't think there was lactose in any of them. And then finally had the, I only look up at tall buildings if it's the latest Stark Attack design tower. I mean, that's a, that's a great, just a great name for a beer. It's a mouthful. Um, smooth, nice, uh, again, a little juicy, very good beer. Now, the best one that I had from these guys was not an IPA, but it happened to be a Goza. This is called The Hardest Thing About Parking My Electric Scooter is Double Blackberry, Blueberry, Raspberry, Pancake, Lassie, Goza. This is a fantastic beer. Very maple syrup uh, heavy on the back end, but a lot of fruit in it. Uh, Certainly a beer that I would think that you could pour over pancakes or French toast or waffles or something because it's definitely a breakfast beer, an after-dinner beer. 
tons of fruit and maple syrup, like I said. Uh, be- the, probably the best beer that I've had from Evil Twin. If I see cans of this, I'm definitely going to buy them because they were really, really good. Um, one of the stouts that they had on tap there was a, was called Bozo Beer, 17%, very strong. Glad I only had a taster of it because let me tell you something, a full glass would have probably knocked me out. Uh this was another interesting one, one that I liked, not the best thing, but one that I actually liked that I didn't think I was going to. Absolutely, completely, totally, extremely, and utterly nuts, right? Picture every nut mixed in a beer. Peanuts, cashews, hazelnuts, almonds, uh, pistachios, you name it, hazelnuts, all of them mixed into a beer producing this. Fantastic. If you like nuts, you're going to love this beer. Trust me. Uh, then I had the even more pecan pie Jesus, uh, very nutty, very smooth, uh, another excellent beer, uh, from the folks at evil twin. I finished it off with the fruited and flying cranberry by Icarus. Just needed something sour, a little bit smooth, something that's just kind of cleansed, almost cleansing the palate sort of, uh, excellent beer, uh, from Icarus. The next night my wife and I went back for dinner. Uh, the, uh, the, the hell's lager from source already, already kicked. They had on ultra strata. Juicy, smooth, tropical, excellent beer. I'm telling you, Source makes great beers. Get down there. I've said it enough. Route 34 in New Jersey, right next to Delicious Orchards and Cold Snack. Fantastic. Now, my wife had this beer from Evil Twin. I didn't get a chance to try it uh, at the tap takeover, but I ended up having a glass of it uh, after dinner because it was so good. Who wants apple pie? So if you've ever had a glass of fresh apple cider, that is exactly what this beer tasted like. Tart, apple, delicious. So I don't know if it's a sour or a beer. I think they said it was a sour IPA. Fantastic. I mean, really, really good, uh, but definitely something for after dinner. Um, my, uh, our friend Buddy Watson of the show, he brought me some, uh, some, some, uh, a couple of different beers. I already talked about Common Roots. One of them happened to be uh, from Great Lakes, their Ohio City Oatmeal Stout. Uh, this is roasty but thin, a uh, lot of oats in it. Um, wasn't the best stout that I had, but definitely for a, a lower ABV and a kind of I want something to kind of warm me up a little bit. Definitely something to try, but it is thin. Uh, Madeline from um, from Duclaw sent me the uh, a Sour Me Wild Cherry, which is part of their Sour series. Boy, I'll tell you, great cherry flavor, very sour. Um, almost puckerish when I took my first sip as we were putting up the Christmas tree uh, ornaments. So that's a really nice beer. And then finally, uh, finished off the night, with the Bergen County 20th plus Bull Stout. This is from 2018 from Bolero Snort, which, by the way, they are up and running their production uh, facility in um, in Karlstadt. They should be opening very soon. Very excited for those guys. So I decided to crack this open. That's already a year old, uh, but a lot of peanut butter in this. Very smooth after sitting for a year. The bourbon on it is very mild but warm. You get it there, but it's not overly uh, heavy. As I, I, I've talked about with bourbon beers, and this is no knock on Bolero or anybody else, but, but well, it is going to be a knock, but not on Bolero. Um, there are some places that pour bourbon into beer to make it barrel-aged or give it that bourbon-like flavor, and it tastes like a straight glass of bourbon. I want beer tasting with, with – I want a beer that's going to taste a little bit like bourbon, that doesn't overwhelm you or is too heavy. So this was excellent. I cannot wait to try this year's batch of the Bergen County because it was uh, the the uh, the year old bottle was very very good. Now, folks, we're out of time. Merry Christmas! I uh, hope everybody has a great Christmas holiday, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, uh, Hanukkah. I know Hanukkah has started, so whatever you guys do, I hope you guys have a uh, a great holiday celebration. Uh, thanks for listening to the interview again of Andy Allador and Alan Paul on their Stevie Ray Vaughan book, Texas Flood. Go get it, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. If you're a Stevie Ray Vaughan fan, you will love this book. Thank you to the great Buddy Watson. I am back the Monday after next, the 30th, on the Joe Piscopo Show. Joe will be back as well at 6 a.m. I am off all this week for Christmas. Have a great holiday. This has been the Al Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Cheers, everybody.